This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Helen Farmer with you. It's the Afternoons with me, Helen Farmer podcast. Some incredible experts on today's show. And we're starting with sleep. One of the big stresses in a lot of people's lives is insomnia, whether it is yours or the small people in your life. So we brought in Julie Mallon, sleep consultant from Nurture to Sleep, to answer all of your worries, talk about your environment, your habits, and what you can do about those nighttime wakers as well. We were talking body positivity with Natasia D'Souza. She's an emotional eating and weight loss coach. How can we shift our mindset and indeed our habits for a happier and healthier 2023? And financial health with Tony Hughes. Mr. Money Smart himself had some great advice on budgeting, making some big gains in your savings and the little changes you can make as well. Plus, telling you everything you need to know about Dubai's first camping wellness festival. We're talking sleep this hour and so many questions have come in already for sleep consultant Julie Mallon. She's joining us from Nurture to Sleep because it is apparently one of the wellness trends of 2023. Many of us wanting to slow down this year, rest, a bit of self-care. But how? Whether it is your own insomnia or a little a little one who is keeping you awake all night. We have brought in the expert. Happy New Year, Julie. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Well, I've got to be honest, it, the public demanded it. We were asking, what do you want? And it was sleep advice because we think we've cracked it with a newborn and then they change. And then a toddler's sleeping habits change. And then what I've got now with my kids is a bit of sleep anxiety about going to bed. And then as adults, I mean... There's all all manner of issues. So you're going to be busy this hour, if that's okay. Perfect. Well, already questions, as I said, coming in on 4001 on the ARN Play app on the WhatsApp too. You can be anonymous if you prefer. Um, Before we get to the text line, Julie, I just wondered what other kind of common concerns you're hearing at the minute and are they in, in any way linked to the time of year or anything you can kind of point to in terms of patterns? There is a number of things. So children returning back from their holidays, you know, um, the festive season has been quite challenging for children and parents aside you know we get lots of relatives coming in so the dynamics of the family change even eating you know you're eating a lot of different things that you wouldn't normally which that does have an impact Mm -hmm. on your sleep and particularly our children you know boundaries have slipped routines have slipped for all of us it's just it's the holidays it's fine and then I feel like we've gone back to school really quickly. Yeah. 2nd of January, yes. you know, that yeah. that feels like a very kind of fast, uh, fast return. And I mean, I've certainly travelled back that weekend as well. So to travel back, have one day to get into some kind of routine and then straight into school, we're having to shake our children awake. And that has never happened before. So, And what about in us, in us adults? And I know a lot of people feeling quite stressed over the holidays. Does that have an impact? I think, again... You know, the whole holiday season with having to have this time which has got to be perfect, Mm. the stress on everyone, having those perfect presents, having the perfect um, dinner table, the perfect food. And then the costs associated with that causing stress. Yeah. Yeah. And also coming towards the end of it, you're starting to sum up how much you spent and didn't need to. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is adding to the stress, which absolutely impacts our sleep. We've had a number of questions about um, the little ones and toddlers as well, but I'd love to start with grown-ups, if you don't mind, Julie. Um, How much sleep should we be aiming for? Well, I mean, this is really interesting. There's a, a wonderful neuroscientist, Professor Russell Foster, and 
I've really followed him for many years. And, I've, and I've, I've got some quotes from him right here. I'm not surprised. <laughs> his work. But the, what I love about him, he's got such a, a wicked sense of humour. And he upsets quite a few people within the medical field. But because he doesn't take himself too seriously. He's, um, I've got a professor of circadian neuroscience at the University of Oxford. Yes, Quite he is. a title. Yeah. So he doesn't mind kind of sticking his oar in and stirring things up a little bit. What, no, what and kind he, of things? Oh, he makes fun of different... Um, different disciplines and he says well you know you're not quite as bright as I mean you know you know those neuroscientists who think they're really he really gets people backs up but in a funny way he can do it in a funny way so I do really like him but he was on the board for example of the National Sleep Foundation um, in America and you know they really do look at all the research which is very relevant as much as it can be for our sleep Mm -hmm. and you know Quite often we hear about, you know, you need to get your eight hours sleep and you need to get your eight hours sleep. Which feels like a pressure in itself. It does. It absolutely does. But the fact is, it's not eight hours. It can't be eight hours because one sleep cycle alone for adults is an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. So if we're waking up and having eight hours, we're waking up in the middle of a sleep cycle. So that's not working. So certainly if we look at the National Sleep Foundation, their recommendations are that as an adult, between six and ten hours now that's and a huge variation. It is, and you know that that might vary from person to person depending on their needs. But it also presumably even might depend on us as individuals. You might need at some point in your life or at some point during the year more sleep and perhaps less others. And that's something to be reminded with our, all our parents as well. Even our children, we all have different sleep needs. I know that my sleep need is very different to my husband's sleep need. My sleep need is very different to my youngest eldest you know my second daughter our sleep needs are really quite different and it's recognizing how much sleep that we as an individual need we've spoken about this before but I stopped tracking my sleep because I felt like it was dictating my mood I'd wake up and I'd be like okay it says I've had you know five hours of good sleep and I was like well that's rubbish so it's going to be a bad day not actually listening to my body and how I how I felt and I mean, you can see I'm not, I don't, I don't wear a smartwatch anymore. I just, I just found it not very helpful for me. But I think we do get a little bit tied up in, am I doing it right? You know, am I getting, you know, enough of this sleep, enough of that sleep? And, and perhaps not just thinking, how do I feel this morning? Yeah. And I do think we live in a world which is all about data. We are surrounded by so much, you should be getting this much, this should be happening. You know, this is what is perfect. And actually, none of it is applicable to you if it's not applicable. And it's how you wake up in the morning. If you Mm. wake up feeling rested and, you know, you've had seven hours sleep, then that's enough. That's you. So it's really about paying attention to what your body is telling you. Now, if you're waking up and you're not feeling rested and you're perhaps struggling to fall asleep, stay asleep, to your mind, if you could be our kind of a sleep fairy godmother for everyone listening today, um, what is the gold standard um, when it comes to sleep hygiene. So the environment, the wind down routine, what could we all be, I guess, tweaking in 2023? So I think even at the beginning, not to say sleep hygiene, but to say sleep health. Nice. I think it just feels a little bit more positive and less medical. Mm-hmm. And so it would be doing things like, some of us are very sensitive to light. I know if I'm on the screen before I go to bed, that is absolutely going to impact my sleep. Whereas somebody else isn't. So again, it's about recognising what is causing your sleep to be disrupted. In terms of gold standard, absolutely, it is that we perhaps set an alarm on our phone, say an hour before our bedtime, so that we do come off our screens. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just about the light that's coming off the screen, it's also the content. It's also looking at where our meal time is. You know, if we are 
eating too late into the evening, then that is absolutely going to have an impact on our sleep. It will disrupt, it can disrupt our sleep. And then looking at how we start a day. So how we fall asleep in the evening is dictated by how we start at the very beginning of the morning. Julie Mallon with us this afternoon. We are going to go to the text line next. I also want to find out, is a, is a nap as, as good as a lion if you need to catch up on some sleep? Um, Craig's asking when's the best time to exercise to help with sleep. So he wants to be tired at bedtime. If he does a workout after seven, he is buzzing. If you've got any questions, get in touch on 4001. You've got your ARN Play app. And yes, you've got the WhatsApp too. If you want to give us a call, more than welcome. 04871 We're going to your questions next. Live with us to answer my questions, but most importantly yours is sleep consultant Julie Mallon from Nurture to Sleep. So get any questions, concerns, comments in on 4001. Messages saying, wouldn't it be amazing if you could just wake up when you wake up? I haven't set an alarm for ages and tend to wake up at a similar time every morning around half past six. That would be lovely. I've just got these two little people that seem to be my... I haven't set an alarm in years either because I've got kids now. <laughs> but that, that must be a sign that you are rested, sated, ready for the day if you're waking up in that routine. It is. But again, that's the holy grail. And actually, there are so many other factors. There are so many other components. Um, Excuse me. A message here. And I'm I'm really glad it's been raised because I was going to ask you the same. Um, Talking about starting school a little bit later. Now, there are a couple of schools here in Dubai. I know Bloom World Academy, when it opened in September, decided they were going to have a later start. Um, And I know DBS is also looking at making some adjustments as well, saying, um, it would be amazing to discuss how this could be helpful for our kids and our own sleep. I feel that mornings are always rushed. The kids don't have time to eat and always end up eating in the car. What are your thoughts on, I guess, the, the pros and cons with sleep in mind to starting school a little bit later? So this is so fascinating in that in June of last year, I was invited to speak at a sleep conference in America. And whilst I was at the sleep conference, there was this very special lady who she is the person who identified that teenage sleep, for example, is very different. And she is now instrumental in changing laws and um, policies in America. Now, I was bold enough to ask her when I made contact with her, if on her way, because she was going on her way to Australia, I said, if I could manage it, do you think you could come and speak here in Dubai? And she just said, yes, why not? So she's coming. So she's coming at the end of this month. Um, She's a professor from Brown's University. Now, what she discovered was that our sleep is, she knows very much about how, and all of us know now, that our sleep is very much dependent on our circadian rhythm. Circadian rhythm meaning it's Latin and circa for round and day in for day. So it's how we all have this light, dark, sleep-wake cycle. Now, one of the most recent pieces of research is showing us about teenage sleep and how different it is. But it's also showing us when is the best time for us to function, both adult, teenager and children. So, for example, as an adult, our cognitive function is at its highest early in the morning up until approximately 12 o'clock. So if you've got a very important decision to make or you have a really big meeting... Or hosting a radio show between 2 and 5 in the the afternoon. Yep, your cognitive function is not (laughs) as high. Just think how good I could be in the morning. I'm going to have to swap with Georgia. How much better you could be. Isn't that um, interesting? But if I've, I've, so I do writing as well. If I if I need to write an article between eight and nine, that's when I'm at my kind yeah, of absolutely. most productive. Now, what's so interesting and has such a, a terrible impact on our teenagers is their most productive 
is two hours later than oh, us as adults. Wow. Now, if you think about it, going back to the school system, normally maths, science, they're all first thing in the morning. This is when our teenagers are asleep. Mm-hmm. So we're not actually providing the best environment. You know, our, the teachers are at their peak for teaching, but the teenagers, they're at, they are sound asleep. They're not receptive. Oh, so really, really interesting topic. It's something we're going to be exploring further next week. Um, but interesting that the science stacks up in that. Uh, in oh, that it absolutely does. Well. Jack, um, Jabira, Jumira Baccalaureate for school. Yes, uh, JBS, yeah. JBS, they've actually going to implement starting later. They're what They really are one of the instigators in starting schools later because it does have such a profound effect. We're going to have a bit of a quick fire round on the question front next. Joe's been in touch saying um, 11 year old son has just started ADHD medication and it's affecting his ability to drop off. We give him some melatonin but really want to make sure they're not becoming reliant on that. We're going to come to that. It's all about your sleep on the show this afternoon. Many a question um, coming in on the text line and we've got the ideal expert for us joining us live in the studio. And don't forget, you can, of course, send any questions in, but you're going to have to be fast, is Julie Mellon from Nurture to Sleep. We're going to go straight to Joe's question, um, who says, my 11-year-old son has started taking Concerta, the ADHD medication. It's impacting his ability to drop off to sleep. We give him three milligrams of melatonin. My husband worries that he will become reliant on it. If we only use it a couple of evenings a week or in times of anxiety, is that okay? What's your take on this? Um, I think your husband's concern is quite valid. And I think it's a, a continued discussion that you do need to have with your health practitioners, with the medical field. Um, I would absolutely be a lot more proactive about different tools that they can use, such as really do looking at the look at the routine and how that can support sleep. Um, looking at the light that the this little boy is exposed to and 11 is actually quite a difficult age because it's that pre-teen and so you know there'll be an element of I want to do this myself and no that's not going to impact me at all so I think it really is something one of the most important things that it will be something that they do together with this little boy the three of them rather than something that happens to the little boy. That's interesting. It's a bit more kind of empowering about yes. we, we do this because of that. Yes. And as you say, that could be to do with light, wind down routine, reading. We've had a question about weighted blankets, which we've actually just got for my daughter. How, how useful are those, do you think? Oh, extremely useful. And not just for children, but also for adults as well. So, um, again, you know, if you are working with the team, with this little boy, an occupational therapist would really be able to help because, and the reason why I'm saying this is that we, not to rely on the medication, which is the father's concern, which is absolutely a very valid point. But looking at other things, you know, looking at this little boy's diet, you know, very often, even for our children, the sleep mineral, which is such a powerful um, supplement that we can have, the magnesium Mm -hmm. for our children, very often it's low not just for our children, but for adults too. And so if we can look at perhaps, you know, if he's having a bath in the evening, that is going to help bring his core body temperature down. And if you put some magnesium flakes in, that's going to really help relax him. So that winding down is going to be much more effective as opposed to relying on the melatonin. So it's not to say not for him to have it. I certainly wouldn't recommend that at all. But I would look at being proactive in lots of other things to support the use of the melatonin. 
Thanks, Julie. Hope that helps Joe and your boy as well. Now, Blaze has been in touch with a, a common question that we've had because I've had three or four messages about waking up at 3 a.m. So for the last couple of months, we've been waking up at 3 a.m. Um, don't understand what's disrupting my sleep. Not a, not generally a, a worrier. Sneha saying, I've been waking up at 3 a.m., can't get back to sleep for a couple of hours and then have a really rubbish doze for an hour. What's going on with the 3 a.m.? Again, there's very rarely a single component. It's not just waking up. There's one thing. There could be environmental noise that is impacting. You know, if there is, you know, a truck that's going past every night and it can be. So it's making sure that it's not an environmental noise. Also, it's about emptying your brain before you go to sleep. How, Julie, how? (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of the things is not to have, you know, a big conversation around your finances before you go to bed because that was only going to play in your mind. And the reason why... I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because my husband will oft, I'll often start a chat and he looks at me and be like, now? Now now you want to talk about this? Like, as his eyes are just closing. I'm like, well, surely we should be talking about, you know, our travel plans or our finances or this issue that's come up with one of the children. He's like, I'm literally closing my eyes. Yes. Not, yeah. not here, not Well now. done, Nick. Well done, Nick. <sighs> oh, fine. Um, <laughs> but it's also due to the fact that You know, our sleep is very dynamic and it's not a straight line. And throughout the night, it changes. Mm -hmm. So, for example, in the early part of the night, that's where the human growth hormone is released. So that has an impact on our sleep. So our sleep is deeper. And then as the night wears on, our sleep becomes lighter. And so if there are things that are troubling us, then that is going, whilst we're in that lighter sleep, we are much more likely to have a disturbed night's sleep. But it's also about going back throughout your day And looking to see what could be the triggers that is not helping with disrupting your sleep. Temperature of the room, that really has a big impact um, on how we sleep. And now, you know, here in Dubai, everything's a little bit cooler. So is it that our core body temperature is a little bit colder? Now, everyone tells you and, you know, all the literature out there is saying that it's much better that we sleep in a cooler environment than a warmer environment. But like anything else, it's not just a cooler environment because the other factor here is if your peripheries, if your hands and feet are cold, that is actually not going to allow the heat to escape. And so it's going to maintain a higher core body temperature, which means we're not going to sleep as well. Ah, okay. So what should we be wearing in bed, Julie Mel? <laughs> well, it's not very sexy, but <laughs> they do say, you know, if you're that cold socks now oh i feel i feel completely completely validated in my nighttime choices very definitely now again this is very indulgent but i'm very glad that's what i bought for my three daughters at christmas cashmere socks cashmere socks (laughs) yes um any expert who gives a prescription of that is all right in my book right we're going to go to little ones if that's okay we've had a text from sarah saying i have a nine week old baby who i'd love to get into a nighttime routine any tips and when is the best time to start this congratulations sarah so nine weeks is that too young to to get started in some kind of nighttime routine um it isn't too young and but it's about the routine being flexible there's no rigidity here but the really important part that we have to recognize is that unlike us as adults and children our newborns do not have any melatonin now that melatonin which signals to the brain that sleep is coming it's nighttime that isn't present until 12 weeks now, again, it's not always 12 weeks. If your baby's been born early, mm-hmm. then it could be a little bit later. So nine weeks is not too early because you're preparing the baby for the next really big step. So a routine, a, a gentle, flexible routine is really helpful. So something like, you know, bathing your baby every night 
Um, that's quite a nice routine. A little massage. Yeah, a little massage really because of the touch and that helps them to relax. But the most significant factor here is light. You know, when your baby is being uh, birthed, make sure that the environment is a dim light because that will just overstimulate. Now, what's really significant as well about this little nine-week-old, they've just come out of their second leap. Now, that cognitive leap is the leap of patterns. And it basically means that your little one during that time, and it's somewhere around eight to ten weeks, is much more sensitive to light and sound. So that will, you know, if, if there's lots of stimulation there prior to the baby's bedtime, then they're not going to be in the best place to sleep. Okay, good advice there. Hope that helps Sarah and all the very best. Craig's been in touch saying, when is the best time to exercise to help with sleep? I want to be tired at bedtime, but if I do a workout after 7pm, I'm buzzing. I'm the same, Craig. Can't work out in the evening. I'm just flying high. Well, I'm going to say something which is really unhelpful and I don't mean to be, but we have to respect the science. And the science is telling us, if we look at our circadian rhythm, the best time for adults to work out is somewhere between three and five o'clock. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to move my move show jobs. again. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, that's. But hardly anyone can actually do that. I though. know, but this is when the body is at its um, most responsive, um, less likely to have injury, and that's when we peak for. Mm-hmm. So maybe at the weekend, maybe you can factor it in then. So that is the best time. Now in the evening, the reason why um, exercise isn't really what we want to be doing. It is because it raises our core body temperature. But again, you've got to look at you. You know, some people, it doesn't, it really doesn't impact their sleep. Same with coffee. My husband can have a coffee at 10 o'clock at night. Uh, No. No, he he shouldn't, maybe, (laughs) but he does. It's it's not that it doesn't impact him. It's that we don't realise how much it does impact us. Because there's been so many studies. Like, for example, there was three groups where they looked at different timings. And people said, oh, I can't have coffee after 12 because it impacts my sleep. Somebody else, 6 o'clock. Others said, oh, it doesn't matter. But then when they've done the gold standard of the, te- you know, the exercise for sleeping, the people who have had and think it doesn't matter, their deep sleep, that stage three, has been significantly reduced. Oh, right. I know what his resolution is going to be. <laughs> um, a question here from Amy um, saying, what does Julie think about nose breathing versus mouth breathing when it comes to adults? My husband's been trying some new techniques. Hmm. Uh, and again, if we're looking at intention for sleep in 2023 mouth taping is something that we are seriously seriously looking at and the evidence is there that it really does promote our sleep in that it comes to it really enables the nose nose breathing to be the most effective you've got to look at as well if it's sleep apnea Mm -hmm. because most of the mouth breathing is a symptom of sleep apnea. So you really need to make sure that you haven't got this medical condition, which is very detrimental to all aspects of our being. Interesting. Yeah, I th- I've read, I'm sure you've read it as well, the James Nestor book, yes. Breath. Yes. And he's identified all sorts of interesting correlations between mouth breathing and having to get up in the night to use the bathroom in terms of all, so- all sorts of different things. Um, so obviously, please don't just put sellotape on your mouth. Um, there's some great dentists here in Dubai. And we've had Rosa Donovan on the show before, who's a brilliant breath consultant. Is, so yes. if this is something you're worried about in terms of being a mouth breather and the impact it might be having, then yeah, do seek expert help. Don't just yes. you know, get the sellotape yes. out. Um, there's no more information on this, but I'm just going to put it out to you. How do you stop children coming into your room at night? <laughs> um, it's obviously very age dependent. <laughs> 
but you have to be the one that stops and your children can't. So again, it's looking it's looking at all the triggers that could be causing them. Are they going to bed too early? Are they going to bed too late? Are they sleep deprived? You know, what is the routine that is leading up to bedtime? Are those limits and boundaries clear? Are there, Is there something like that we're not really aware of? Is there something going on at school that is leading to anxiety, which is causing them to wake up? So it's really about exploring what the reasons are, being curious around why they're coming in. And, you know, our children are great communicators and we often forget that. And so them coming into the bed in the middle of the night or in, they're communicating that something, there's a need that is not being met. I wanted to finish with this last question because it's relating to what you're just talking about. A little bit more information saying, Hi both, my daughter is three and still can't manage to fall asleep on her own. Never could. She was breastfed for a very long time and was always a very irritable baby. Would always fall asleep during a feed. Breastfeeding stopped about a year ago, but she still can't fall asleep on her own. My wife and I always have to lie down with her. She hugs us until she goes off to dreamland. It can take anything from five minutes to 45 minutes. I'd really like to manage her to fall asleep on her own. But if we leave the room and she's awake, she has a meltdown. Any ideas, tips, or at least a comforting story that this won't go on forever? Um, again, you have, you as parents have to be the agents of change because all these years you have told her that breastfeeding is the right way to fall asleep or you have shown, not told, you have shown her. And so now she needs a different kind of direction. She needs different guidance from you and she needs to relearn. So learning to fall asleep is a skill that can be learnt, and once you've learnt it, you generally don't forget it. You know, it's like learning to walk. We don't forget how to walk. So this is very much where the parents are going to have to support her through it. And again, at this age, it has to be collaborative. So, you know, I know reward systems can often be helpful, but it's about getting your little girl on board and saying, look, this is what we've done in the past because that was what was working. But now we it's all about development. So now that you're you are older. three, exactly. So mm-hmm. it's about growth and it's about development. Now that you're three, I know you can do this or four. I know you can do this and we're going to help you. So that's what it is. That's the best way. If anyone wants Julie's details, by all means, drop me a little message on 4001 and say sleep and I will send them your way. Julie Mallon, thank you so, so much. Please keep in touch. Please keep us informed about this brilliant doctor that's coming through Dubai and hopefully we can so steal her away for a chat as well. Wishing you and everyone there um, a thank very happy, happy, healthy 2023. And I'm going to resolve charge my phone in the kitchen this has been like my night sleep i blinked and it's over i know perfect that's exactly it four zero zero one if you want to use details julie mallon of nurture to sleep it's afternoons with me helen farmer hope you're having a great one Staggering 52% of us want to eat better, exercise more in 2023. And while, yes, these are very good goals to be healthier, why can't we just accept ourselves as we are? Joining us in the studio now is Natasia D'Souza. She's an emotional eating and weight loss coach. She herself has lost and kept off, I should say, um, more than 60 kilos. And this is now her life's work, helping other people come to terms with their own bodies, accept it, be positive about it, but also make the changes if that is something that they want to do. Thank you for being with us. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, I Helen. don't know when I stop saying that. I think <laughs> I think fr- tomorrow is going to be my last Happy New Year yeah, day. Next week. Next week. We're, we're there. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about why you think so many of us struggle with body positivity or even acceptance of our bodies. Where do you think that comes from? I would say primarily our social settings, 
right? Social media plays a huge, huge role on how we see ourselves. You're constantly scrolling, comparing yourself to other people. Oh, I don't look like that. And I have this mark and they don't have it. Not realizing that a lot of these pictures, videos that are posted out are often edited. Are people spend hours airbrushing themselves to look like the way they do, but contorting yet, their bodies into exactly, poses, exactly using apps to minimize how they look, right? But the the person receiving this image is just sitting there comparing themselves and thinking, "I don't look like that. I'm not good enough," mm-hmm. and hence going into a spiral downward spin of. When will this ever get better for me? I'll never look like that. But this has been a problem for a long time. I mean, when I was growing up, there was no social media for kids. Um, but there were magazines. Yep. There are a few magazines and they were always kind of perky blonde girls um, on the cover of Just 17. And I had my own social circle. But I would say a lot of it comes from family as well. Yeah, they do. They do. Um, and it depends on the family you grew up in. I mean, mm. personally for myself, my parents were quite accepting, but it was other family members saying, oh, you know, look at your thighs and look at your arms and and things of that sort. And, you know, you'd look back to yourself and be like, oh, I didn't notice that until you mentioned. And now it's all I can see. Exactly. So people Mm -hmm. start picking out your flaws and now that's highlighted for you. That's something you need to work on. What are some of the common narratives or themes that you've noticed with clients coming to you? What are they telling themselves and then telling you? To be honest, a lot of my clients struggle to even look at themselves in their mirror, in the mirror. It's a very, very hard task. So one of my one of my coaching, um, uh, you know, work work uh, worksheets with them is to have a look at yourself in the mirror and tell me three things you love. And they struggle with that so much, sometimes in tears. Sometimes, you know, they'll tell me things like fingernails. They'll tell me things that are so external, but they won't be able to even mention one single item. And yes, the goal is weight loss, but I always tell them there's no reason why you can't love yourself now Mm -hmm. and work towards your goals. I think for so many people, and I would definitely count myself in this, we have these goals in mind and it's like lose X number of kilos or wear this size or thinking that when you get there, you'll be happy. Yes, that's exactly it. And you're often not. Yeah, you're not. And if anything, you're actually, in some cases, a little bit worse than you were before, because now you don't know how to handle what you were dealing with, which is basically the emotional baggage. Mm -hmm. And now you're telling yourself, okay, what next? How do I take life to the next level with this new body? And that's often a huge struggle for most people. And then also, I think a lot of people perhaps don't want to start living their lives until they're at a certain weight. You know, I don't want to, you know, seek a relationship or travel or, you know, go for this job. Yeah. Until I look the way I want to look. That's when life's going to start when I'm, you know, whatever number of kilos. Yeah. Or even even dress a certain way or even Definitely. wear makeup at some point. So like, no, 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 I'll do it once I lose a 10 kilos. When or I'm 15. worth it. Yes, exactly. You're right. So what spurred you to take action in the first place? Can I ask? Uh, for my personal journey? Uh, well, mine was, uh, so this was about 13 years ago. And I woke up one morning after being humiliated, made fun of in school, from friends, from family. And I said, I've just had enough. I've just had enough. So I woke up one day, had the biggest McDonald's meal ever, you can imagine, <laughs> and then never looked back. I told my mom, I'm ready. I want to do this. I had a little doctor's diet that he had given me because when I went in the last time he said you're morbidly obese and that's what I did for two years two years straight um, I followed this strict strict diet and I got to my goal weight what if I looking back right now was that the ideal scenario for me no it wasn't um, but at that time it felt right and isn't it interesting that you needed to feel ready because I yes. think a lot of people might feel pressure from 
parents a lot of the time, society, friends, partners to lose weight, look a certain way. But it's only when you felt like I'm ready for change and I'm going to do it exactly in my way that it's obviously it's obviously stuck. Yeah. And how do you feel about your body now? If that's not too a personal question. I feel great. I'm not, you know, a size two or a size four. I'm a very, very comfortable size 10, size 12 sometimes, you know, and I love it. I love how I look. I love that I can empower women to feel comfortable and love themselves in this shape, smaller, bigger, whatever it might be. And I love that I can be an advocate for that. We've got Natasha D'Souza with us this afternoon. We are going to go to the text line in just a few minutes. So if you do have any struggles, worries, comments, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As I said earlier, you don't need to put your name on if you'd rather not. Absolutely fine with us. 4001. You can use the ARN Play app. And of course, you've got the WhatsApp too. 04871 Noor says, I'm stuck in a rut. I start with the best of intentions and goals in mind, but then I feel emotional and sad and I reach for food as a comfort. What can I do to get over the ups and downs? We're going to be answering those questions and more next. Joining us in the studio to share what she's been through, but also how she helps other people deal with emotional eating, weight loss, healthy attitude towards their bodies, acceptance, positivity, neutrality. We're going to be talking about soon. It's Natasha D'Souza. She's taking your questions and many of you getting in touch. And thank you for the honesty and vulnerability that these these messages are conveying because I know it's an incredibly emotional topic for many of us, myself included. Um, Noor's saying, I'm stuck in a rut. She says, I keep starting with the best of intentions with goals in mind, weddings, new year, work events, where I want to lose a few kilos. But then when I feel emotional or sad, I get a thought in my head that I just need food as a comfort and I'll get back on it tomorrow. However, then I feel ashamed for binging or eating out of control and I can't get back on track. What thoughts or tactics, incentives or motivations did Natasia use when in the grips of ups and downs? Great question. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So first things first, um, I would address the motivation here because the motivation is quite intrinsic, extrinsic, which she needs to be intrinsic. You know, I often see people and it's it's quite all right to get yourself motivated for a wedding or things of that sort. But once it's done, then what? Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't reach your goal, then what? So it's very, very important. Maybe sit down and ask yourself, why do I want to do this? Do I want to look good? Do I want to feel good? Do I want to be there for my kids? That do was I, mine. Right. And I want to be able to run around. I want to be able to work out. I want to live longer. Once you find that purpose, then use that as your internal motivation to move forward. Mm-hmm. When And what it sounds like, what Noor is explaining here is is classic example of emotional eating. So I would definitely, to do, definitely do an hunger reality check, right? Sit down with yourself and an emotional reality, emotional eating reality check. So that basically involves sitting and asking yourself, how many times a day am I eating? And how many times am I day am I eating actually out of hunger? Right. I often do this exercise with my clients and say, you know, keep a banana in front of you. And if you really feel you're hungry, look at the banana and say, if I eat that banana, will that fill me up right now? And if it says, yeah, it will, then you're hungry. But if you say, no, I'd rather have something else. That's emotional hunger right there. I'm going to look past the banana and go straight to the leftover shortbread I have in my fridge, for example. We're going to be hearing now from one of your clients. This is Maureen explaining some of her motivations and what really it all started with for her. Yes, yeah, so I've always struggled with my weight. I've, I've been big, I've been small, you know, I'm, I'm putting on weight and then I'm losing like a lot and then I'm putting it all back on again and then some. And that's been going on since I was in my teens and I'm now in my late 30s. So that's a long time to be doing that. Mm-hmm. And I just got to the point where I thought, 
I, I need to be doing something consistently. Whatever I'm doing at the moment isn't working because it doesn't last for very long. Mm. That becomes very frustrating. Um, so I had come across Natasha on social media. I've seen some of her posts. Um, and I thought, at first I thought, I'll just reach out and see what happens. I had no intention of like, you know, I actually didn't know what I was going to do, but it mm. just turned out to we've been together for now just over a year. Wow. Wow. And what what changes have you noticed? And I, I don't mean body changes or weight or anything like that. I mean, how how do you feel like you've changed um, either in your habits or even how you feel about yourself now? I mean, so, I mean, I feel much better about myself. I feel more equipped to handle um, any stressful situations that come my way. Mm-hmm. What working with her has done is just really changed the way I view food and how I use food now as, you know, it's a fuel for your body rather than it's a way of coping with stress that happens in your daily life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's the biggest change for me is now when something happens in, in life, whether it's a stressful day at work or something in a personal relationship, I don't automatically turn to food now to, to help me deal with it. Is that what you were doing before? That's what I was doing before, yeah. And that obviously wasn't serving you very well. I mean, I've, I've, we're not talking about, you know, what you, you looked like that back then or anything like that, but I think it's it's trying to untangle our emotion, emotional responses to food. And I, I mean, my goodness, I don't think any, any person on the planet has got an unemotional relationship with food. I think that would be almost a bit strange in itself. But I've certainly been someone whose relationship with food has been over-emotional. And like you're saying, you know, if something goes wrong or there's something to celebrate or boredom, always a big one for me that becoming yeah, your, your go-to. So what kind of, I guess, coping strategies have you put in place instead of, of going uh, going to the cupboard or going to the fridge? So she's helped me understand, okay, what, what are the key points in the day where I might reach for food and what, you know, put in place things that I can do instead. So, for example, for me, that last stretch of work in the day mm-hmm. where, you know, you've pretty much done all your big stuff. It's like, okay, do I now sit here and, you know, um, have a little snack? You know, you've got that sugar craving post-lunch. Um, instead, you know, she's, I've put into place a habit where I get up and just go for a walk around the office, maybe have a conversation with one person mm-hmm. and then go back to my desk. And that kind of stops me thinking about food. Um, similarly, when I get home from work in the evening, there's that gap between okay, you're back from work and it's not quite dinner time yet, and you're a bit that's peppy. me, that's me, yeah, that's like <laughs> come in and cut off a bit of cheese or eat something that's on the kids' plates. Like that is that's my danger zone. You've nailed it yeah. there. Okay. So, then, so what I do instead is like I have for each week I have like okay, so on on a Monday I'm gonna like you know go outside and tend to the plants that's going to be my plant time mm-hmm. in that space and then one day it'll be okay I'm going to read a book another day it'll be I'm going to go for a walk but I have it planned out in advance so that I know that when I get back from work I haven't got that time to just sit and think okay do I want to eat something do I want to eat something I've got something to actually do and distract myself mm-hmm. okay this is useful stuff and what I, I, we've been talking obviously because it's the first week of January about resolutions and intentions how do you feel about those and have you made any for yourself for the coming year so my i'm i'm in the i'm in the process of writing up my goals and stuff for this year for myself my personal ones but i mean overall when it comes to the health and lifestyle aspect of it it's just to continue on to how 
2022 went for me. Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest thing for me was I learned how to be consistent, you know. Previously, I could be good for like, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, possibly Thursday. Mm-hmm. And then the weekend comes and I undo everything over the weekend because, you know, it's the weekend. Yeah, oh, um, whereas, I, I am yeah. nodding along here, Mary. I am absolutely <laughs> nodding along because I'm the same now. It's what Thursday, and I'm like, okay, I've been, I've brought my lunch in three days in a row, and you know, there's been no alcohol, and I've done three classes, and then it's going to be like, come the weekend, you know, yeah. unsupervised yeah. child at the party buffet, you know. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's, I think the fact that we, not we all, I don't want to, but you know, certainly we both, and I'm sure a lot of people listening today have very similar feelings about it but you sound like you've really put some great structures and strategies in place and I think that's just brilliant so first of all to reach out to somebody to, to, to know that you haven't got to live in a way that's not making you happy and to acknowledge that there's a problem and then to start implementing I think it just sounds so so positive and the fact that yeah as you say just keep on building on what you've done last year congrats to you hats off to you you sound uh, sound like you've got it sorted and what what is it about having someone that makes you accountable I guess as as well as gives you advice how meaningful is that mm-hmm. well, well that's it you, you've got accountability you're checking in with somebody regularly and you, you can't so you can lie to yourself you can you can give yourself excuses well that was a really tough week that happened and so I'm, I'm going to eat this instead and whereas when you're talking it through with somebody who's neutral it's not a friend that's trying to comfort you mm-hmm. you know um they'll they'll sort of talk you around like well but did you really need to do that and why did you do that and what could you have done instead um i mean it's it's real coaching um and it and she asks questions that probably make you feel a bit uncomfortable with yourself because you have to face facts right mm-hmm. like you you have to own up to what you're doing what patterns of behavior you have um, and I think once you say it out loud without any excuses, it does kind of like, motivate you to go, OK, I, I want to change this. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and uh, and what you've been through and what you're going to continue to keep smashing. Moment, thank you so much. Wishing you a very happy and healthy 2023 ahead. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Natasha D'Souza is in the studio today. She is an emotional eating and weight loss coach. She is very much testament to her her own philosophy, having lost and kept off more than 60 kilos and now an advocate for, if not body positivity, then body acceptance, which I think is something that we all aspire yes, to. Yes, definitely. I, it's, a, it's a completely foreign concept for me, I think. And I think a lot of people go, well how I'm so used to criticising my own body and having it criticised and comparing it. And I wondered what were some of the myths or misconceptions that you think around that term body positivity? You know, often people think that body positivity means uh, just loving, accepting and, you know, being okay and not wanting change. So a lot of the times I'll hear from people, no, Natasha, it's impossible. Like, I want to lose weight, but, you know, you're telling me to love this. You're telling me to love this part of my belly and you're telling me to love my thighs. And and if you don't love yourself, you can't change any part of you, any part of you. You cannot, absolutely not. So, you know, that's a big mix. Make, the biggest misconception that I would say is first, Love who you are, no matter your size, your shape, your flab, your stretch marks, your loose skin, you know. And then once you accept that, any change that you want come your way, you're going to go on with full force, let's Mm -hmm. say. 
but how? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let let's talk about how. So the it's not easy. I will say this much, especially if you're someone that's been criticizing yourself for years on end, comparing yourself to every second person out there. I would say start by the exercise that I mentioned before, you know, looking at yourself in the mirror and maybe picking out one or two things that you like better. Uh, maybe going and start dressing in things that are more flattering, you know, um, not thinking that once you get to a certain size, only then you'll be able to fit in. Right. Mm -hmm. The other aspect of that, as far as body positivity goes, is sitting down and actually writing down what is it about your body that's bothering you? What? What? Why? Why is it? And usually it'll come down to because I look this way, because I don't fit in with the rest of the people and take every negative statement from there and turn it into a positive one. Is it easy? No, it isn't. However, when you do that, you'll realize that okay, it's actually not that, it's it's all made up in my head. Whatever I'm seeing, whatever I'm visualizing, whatever I'm saying about myself is all made up in my head. And we tend to stay in that bubble because it gives us a safety net. Because stepping out of it and dressing up or, you know, putting some makeup on and accepting who we are today sometimes can be a very tough exercise for some people. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. I want to go to the text line. Um, anonymous message here saying, I was on a holiday with some friends. Holiday was good, but it left me feeling extremely conscious of my size and weight. A couple of times, two members passed negative comments about others who were larger in size and appeared, quote, flabby. It made me feel so uncomfortable and wonder what they'd be thinking about me. I'm size 14. How do I deal with this? How do I begin any change to get healthier when I haven't done anything in years? So first things first, I would have a little chat with yourself uh, and tell yourself that this sounds more like a them problem and not a a me problem. Um, And once you can realize that and move forward from there, then you realize, okay, um, you know, they were not really saying anything negative about her per se or or you per se. Um, It was in regards to them. In situations like this, what happens is insecurities, your own insecurities tend to come to the surface. So that's something here that's majorly needs to get addressed. Is it my insecurity? Am I uncomfortable with my weight? And if you are, then it's time to look at I do. Am I looking to lose weight? Is that something I can address? If so, then what am I willing to do? Right. Because what you the last thing you want to do is put yourself in a rigmarole just because you felt thrown under the bus, for lack of better terminology, uh, at a vacation. Mm -hmm. I think that's exactly right. Kind of if you take them and and those comments out and you think about actually, am I unhappy? Yeah. I don't know. It's very it's very hard, isn't it? Yeah. It's really, really hard to separate that out. But as you say, if you truly are. And I mean, for me, it's all about being healthy. It's, yeah. it's all about like that. I don't want to rely on the BMI, but making sure you're in a healthy range. And for me, it's about feeling strong. Yeah. Do I feel capable? Am I able to do X, Y, Z in the gym, but also out of the gym? Am I able to run around after my kids and, you know, not feel self-conscious doing that? Or yeah. for, for a long time, I felt self-conscious about eating in public because I was bigger and I was like, felt people would judge me for whatever I was eating. Did you ever have that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember I would be the perfect goody girl when I was out with my friends. And the minute I walked through my door, it was chaos. You know, I'd want to eat everything inside because I would just feel so judged. I was quite a big secretive eater as well. So I would eat before I would go to my parents' house. I would eat in my car. I would call the bakery and pretend like I had a birthday party at home only so I could order a cake for 10 people, you know. So I've I've really gone through that entire judgment scheme mm-hmm. of things. And, and I understand. I completely do. But when you realize you're doing this for you and you want to change for you, 
that's when real change will start to kick in. Maybe you can help this next listener. No name on this saying, um, my belly has horrible stretch marks, saggy skin after two kids, but gained a lot, then lost it. Um, you know, ab muscles, back is weak, knee strengthening. I'm a working mum, breadwinner, feel guilty about not spending enough time with the kids, but then I feel I need a break from them. Hubby's here and there, don't feel supported. I've got body image problems. I argue with my husband because I'm so tired and then binge eat. You're nodding along. I think a lot of people will be nodding along going, <laughs> yeah, this, and this is a lot, but it's probably far more common than a lot of people yeah. admit to themselves or certainly to anybody else. But how can you break this pattern of... I mean, I, I am no person to talk about mum guilt because I'm exactly the same. Yeah. I feel like I'm just spending more time with my kids and then when I'm with them, I'm like, get me away. I just need a break. But that prioritising yourself when you've got so much on your plate is such a difficult step to take. It, it certainly is. And the first thing I'm going to say, it's, you know, I've definitely heard it before. And I, I want to tell her the first things first is you're not alone. There's so many, just like you said, I might not have kids. There's so many of us out there that are exactly in the same boat. But because there's so many um, criteria here that need to get addressed, you know, relationship with hubby, relationship with kids, relationship with yourself. First things first is prioritise you. Right. That self-care element here is truly, truly missing, because when you can take care of yourself, you have more of yourself to give to others. And once you can start doing that, that could just be, you know, 10 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day. I mean, my coaching calls are twice a week, 30 minutes in and out. So that really reframes the mind for my clients for them to say, OK, fine, I can take on the week, the weekend, whatever it might be and move forward. Mm-hmm. OK, breaking that pattern. I'll connect you with Tasia. Um, if you don't mind. Um, and if you do want those details, 4001. Um, Kay has been in touch saying, thank you for this. I am an emotional eater. Never been particularly skinny, but I've piled on the weight in recent years due to trauma and bereavement. And I've got 25 kilos to lose. I know I eat to make myself feel better. It's comforting. I feel the need to treat myself. And I also get very twitchy or anxious and eat out of restlessness. And I don't know how to stop. Now, this is going to be something I'm sure a lot of clients come to you with. And we just heard from Maureen before about some of her patterns, which I have the same coming home from work. And you're in that weird spot between it's not my dinner time, but there's food around. and I'm a little bit peckish. Can you offer up, Kay, and indeed anyone else, um, some coping strategies, some structures you can put in place? Definitely. So the first things first, I'll say the reason um, why an individual gets to this point is due to over restriction and due to not managing that emotional baggage well. So once that emotional, your physical appearance is often, you know, um, I, I read a study the other day that said our physical appearance is a manifestation of our emotional baggage of what we carry over the years. So there's obviously a lot of processing of emotions here that's not happening correctly. Mm-hmm. Hence, the comfort is being found in food, right? So the first things first, again, would be addressing things such as um, why am I eating? What am I eating? And really sitting there and having a reality check with yourself, you know, uh, am I am I feeling anxious? Am I eating when I'm sad? Am I eating when I'm lonely? You know, and find your dip. That's the main uh, criteria that I always tell my clients. What's your dip? There's always that peak period. You know, it's 12 to 2, 3 to 4, 6 to 8, after the kids go to bed, when my hubby's up in the shower. You know, it's always so find your dip and find how you can over, how you can plan out for it better. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're finding trigger foods in your house that are triggering you, Keep them out of the house. Don't bring them back in. There will be a period of time when you can, but don't bring them back in at that period. When you're feeling somewhat out of control. Exactly. I always tell, and it sounds like there is also weight issues here that need to get addressed. So I always tell 
everyone first address your emotional eating habits and then address your weight loss. You can do them simultaneously, but oftentimes you're going to get frustrated. So forget about the number on the scale, forget about the scale in itself, throw it out the window if you have to. Address why you're eating, when you're eating, how can you eat more nutritious? Oftentimes, if it's very, very flavorful, it's not very nutritious, right? So addressing those elements and then moving on to, okay, I'm ready for weight loss and take things from there. Natasha, thank you so much for your honesty today and, and, and your advice. For anyone that does want to contact you, whether it is Well, my goodness, for one-on-one coaching, group coaching, I know you do as well. Um, And obviously just looking at you as a general inspiration, what's the best way of getting in touch? Oh, you can reach me on my website, which is natasiadisouza.com, or you can reach me via social media and uh, just send me a DM, send me a message and I'll get back to you. And if you want those details, drop me a little message on 4001. I'll make it even easier. Um, We've already had a message here from Maud asking for that. If you do want Natasia's details, um, drop me a message and I will connect you. Wishing you a happy and healthy year. Thank you, you as well, Helen. yourself. We'll catch up with you very soon indeed. I've got Lisa Stansfield now on Dubai I 103.8. It's Afternoons with me, Helen Farmer. You can contact us on 4001. You've got your ARN Play app and the WhatsApp too. You can be anonymous. I know we're talking cash. We're also live on Facebook for a chat with the investment director at SVN Capital, Tony Hughes, aka Mr Money Smart, to help us get off on the right foot in 2023. I know the stats, something like 52% of us want to be healthier, but I think financial health is just as important. Tony, how do you feel about resolutions related to finances? (laughs) I think... In a way, they're good, and in a way, they're bad because you tend to break resolutions. So, uh, yeah, you're looking at the girl who was like, "I'm going to delete all of my online shopping," and then just over lunch, I was like, "Oh, they might have they got those wide leg jeans that I liked <laughs> with that with that twenty percent code." Oh, we've got all of these. I'm going to do this, and within the first week, most people break them. So, as much as I think it's good for finances, don't have it as a New Year's resolution. It's a good time for reflection. Yes, a reset. Yeah, I like to say a reset, and perhaps putting some goals in place. Definitely. When we think about, you know, you, you are Mr. Money Smart, so smart goals. Um, do you think it's good to have a, a big goal? So I want to save X amount or is it to do with kind of breaking it down a little bit? What can be most Always helpful? break it down. It's, it's like if losing weight. Yeah. If you go, I'm just going to lose weight and don't have a goal. Or if you're going to, I'm going to lose 50,000 pounds. It, it, it's, it doesn't help. Break it down into monthly mm-hmm. or sometimes even weekly. So again, what I do with finance is say, right, okay, a weekly goal of this. So to maybe stop spending so much money on coffee and Starbucks and have a, a machine at home yeah. and then have a weekly goal as I'm going to save this much. And then a monthly goal, I'm going to save this much. And then also a quarterly goal. So again, this helps you with every quarter. So, okay, Q, Q1, I've done this. Am I ahead of my target for the year? No. Okay, what do I need to do to get ahead of my target? And it helps. And how best to calculate when, we, when, when we're talking about budgeting and saving? Because sometimes we might be making decisions that might be, okay, I'm going to pay less on my credit card so I can put more money in the savings pot, for example. How can we work out what, how we can allocate our cash? I always allocate it. I've got this spreadsheet. You know, I'm a spreadsheet I know you person. Uh, I go 50, 30, 20, 50 on uh, basically needs, 30 on wants and 20 uh, on savings saving that's typically where it goes and then you just 
break that down. So on my spreadsheet, for example, I've got monthly budget and got loads of different items that you, you'll do. And then also have another one where things that might come up. Mm -hmm. uh, two days ago, I went, went to play football and I accidentally reversed into a pole. So oh, that cost me a nice one and a half thousand dirhams already. Happy New worst. Year. He was like, all I want to do is turn back the clock 20 seconds <laughs> and not be an idiot. Exactly. It's the worst. So it's just about budgeting and making sure you, your budget has that little bit of flexibility if something goes wrong mm -hmm. or if you need to add to it or if there's a new thing for your, for your kids if you've got kids to go out and do like a, an ECA or something like that okay um bad debt I'm hmm. curious because a lot of people I think have got that goal of I'm going to pay off my credit cards or I'm going to pay off my loan uh, pay off my mortgage in an ideal world um what what can you will you tell us about classifying debt good debt bad debt yeah good debt is mortgages so as long as again mortgages could be considered bad debt. Depends where you are and when you bought. <laughs> They've gone hell of a way. If you want a fixed uh, mortgage now, you're laughing because, uh, again, with all of the, the hikes over the last year, bad debt is typically credit cards uh, because what most people don't understand here in the UAE is that compounded up, you're looking at paying at 43, 44% a year. Which is not advertised, funnily enough, when you <laughs> sign up for the not, credit card. Can you break that down for us? For anyone yeah. that's not familiar with how you can get from, you know, what seems like a small amount on when the leaflet comes comes through to, as so, you say, 40% Exactly. Plus. So say you earn 10,000 dirhams a month and the credit card company would come and say, here's a credit card for 30,000 dirhams a month, which seems mad, but they do. So you have the 30,000 credit limit. Now you spend all of that 30,000. How are you then going to spend uh, pay it off? You can't because it's way above your wage. So you then pay what's called the minimum inverted commas mm -hmm. uh, payment. And that minimum payment, anything over to that, is actually compounded up interest-wise. So compounded over the year, you end up paying about 43%. So typically, yes, it might only be advertised, or not even advertised, but it's 3.9%. Mm -hmm. But over the year, it adds up to compounded at about 44%. 43, 40, depending on the banks. All those hidden hidden traps and pitfalls. Now, I just mentioned my online shopping problem. Um, subscriptions, online shopping, where are some of the traps that you've identified with clients in the past? Not knowing. <laughs> what, not knowing so, what we're paying not knowing for. What, what, no, as in you'll set up uh, 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 Amazon Prime or, or Netflix, or all of these, and you'll Audi forget about them. Audible for me. Yeah, an order, but you'll forget that you actually have that subscription. And then a lot of them are auto-renewable. Mm. So again, it's great to test these out for 30 days but then put them in your diary and make sure that's an alert. This is going to be auto-called two days before so you can cancel it because otherwise what happens is you've rolled over for another month, forget it for another month, and then it continues and continues. Okay, we're going to have a short break so I can, sorry, Audible, unsubscribe. <laughs> Never listen to an audiobook in my life. We've got Tony Hughes with us today. He is the Investment Director of SVN Capital. You can find him as Mr Money Smart as well. And we're talking budgeting next and he has been in touch saying, my husband works on a commission basis and is in a new job. It's making planning very difficult to it we're going to come to your question next Helen with you live in the studio with Tony Hughes he's the investment director at SVN Capital he's also known as Mr Money Smart he's a he's a family man he likes the good life but also likes a spreadsheet now we've had questions in, in the past Tony you and I about you know good apps for budgeting and you are obviously a big advocate for budgeting but you like Excel or yep. people doing it in their own way. Yep. Can you, for I mean, for anyone who has really never put together a budget before, for whatever reason, and wants to start really tracking some savings, some spending, or just being a bit more conscious about their finances for this year, where do you even start? 
I'll send you the spreadsheet. It's, I'm curious. It's, 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 it's for me a spreadsheet, whether you work on Excel or Google Sheets, whatever. But a spreadsheet and, and looking at what you're spending. So, firstly, I I actually put everything on a credit card because I pay it off every month. So that enables me then to go back at the end of the month and list everything that I might not have put on the spreadsheet. And that will give you a typical overview of what you're spending. Mm-hmm. And then what you do is go, okay, what did I spend on? Okay, what can I cut out? And how can I budget for going forward? I typically put a budget in anywhere at the start of the, the year and then any other things like gifts or birthday parties, other little incidentals that you don't know about that come up, you can list those on there. But having a spreadsheet is really, really important. And the way that I do mine is I do it over the month and then it shows you how much you're spending on insurances, how much you're spending on savings, how much you're spending on household goods, how much you're spending on going out for dinner, how much you're spending on social, for example, Mm. and things like that. And that gives you a breakdown of of each of them on the month and the year of how much you're spending. Tony, can you do mine, please? I'm a a words girl, not a numbers girl. I'll come down and do it for you. Thank you. Now, Tia raises a really interesting point saying, re-budgeting, my husband works on commission, is in a new job, and this is making planning very difficult. I've been there as a freelancer. You've been there as well. Can you help out Tia and her family? Yeah, it's, I, I've been there and I'm happy to be sorry now. It's great, isn't it? Uh, but with commission, it's really important to understand. So what I used to do when I was on commission only is take the average rolling over the year. So you kind of tend to know what you're going to earn over the year. It might be up or down, fluctuate, but typically you should know on average, say you're on commission and you earn on average 20,000 dirhams a month. So then what you then do is you underestimate what it comes in so don't do it as 20,000 do the budget on 12 or 15,000 that gives you a little bit of leeway onto that as well then what you do is you understand what you're paying and when you're paying it so if the person's got kids then they know at September that's when a large proportion of that comes out Mm -hmm. and again schools hate me for saying this but most schools will allow you to pay monthly if you go to them and say I want to pay monthly most schools will allow that because they'd rather have the money than not have the money and Neil wants a copy of the spreadsheet no problem (laughs) Neil I will hook you up with Tony don't worry Um, but let's talk things like schools because you know we can. First of all, I would never give up my daily trip down to the This Is It Cafe for my Diet Coke because I like the guys down there. I like to be able to have a bit of a walk away from my desk, and that to me is important. Yeah. But you can save on your, you know, your odd coffee here and there, and you know, your, 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 your incidentals, I suppose. But unless I guess you're kind of nailing those those big guys, which presumably for a lot of people here in Dubai is the schooling, it is the rent big time and maybe cars cars and and holidays as well where do you tend to advise people about making those big gains so you take those four things rent is easy even though it's not because everybody seems to be putting (laughs) the prices up so for example one of my assistants has moved to the mac the furthest go along then keep going Forty thousand dooms a year for free bedroom now, again, she's been in there over a year, but it might be up, but it might be 45000 or, or 49000 but that's a massive saving. You, you then have to go, well, I'm going to have to drive that way. But if we was back in our homeland in the UK, you'd be driving that far anyway, typically. Mm-hmm. So again, understand that, okay, for this year, for this year or for the next two years, we're going to make that sacrifice and live outside. And that will save us a massive amount of money. So that's really, really important. Cars are easy. Again, don't upgrade your car. There's so much around of, okay, this new car's even though at the moment. It's, it's all about second. Yeah, well. exactly. No, but, but it is, you know, it's a transient city. It's a very vibrant secondhand yeah. market. Yeah. 
exactly. and selling. So, so again, try to make that low cost. And, and again, petrol-wise is up and down. But again, understand what trips you're going to do. So if you can work on one car for, for the family, which a lot of families can, mm-hmm. then do that. Maybe somebody drops somebody else off at the metro or, or whatever you like that. So that's important as well. Holidays is really easy. You, you literally just go, okay, what? how many holidays are we going to have? Two holidays a year or one holiday a year. Okay. So what we do is we work out one's going to be our main holiday and the other's going to be a kind of a, a cheaper holiday. So we go local for the cheaper holiday, Rack or or, Omar, or one of these. Some good deals. And then, exactly. And then the long one, we go and spend a bit more on, but we book well in advance and we search around to reduce that price. And it feels like sometimes we're a bit of a, a, bit of a kind of fun challenge as well. It is. It is. Definitely. I think I just want to come back to your point there about about making sacrifices because I've had friends who've left Dubai saying, you know, we can't afford to be here anymore. But really what they have, what they're saying is we can't, we don't want to live in Dubai unless we're in a five bed house in Arabian ranches and our kids are going to this school or I'm going to drive this car and we're going to go on these holidays. But, you know, we've spoken about this before, Tony. So many people leave Dubai in a worse financial state than when they came. And you want to leave a winner. Yeah. If you do leave, not that I'm planning on leaving after my <laughs> recent trip to the UK. But, you know, you, 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 we're, we're, so many of us are here for career opportunities, financial opportunities. And that you know, goes to our kids as well. And if we can do our very best to earn well, spend well, save well, and yet that might mean some sacrifices... No, I'm it, not saying be miserable, but yeah, but big and it's all about sacrifices. Eighty percent is the figure of people that leave here without the same, with lower than they came or the same amount. Eighty percent, eighty-eight zero. It's horrendous, and that's because people aren't willing to take sacrifices. Now, what you do is you go, okay, we do do reduce uh, the house, so we we go from a four bedroom to a three bedroom. If, if you're in the UK, where we're from, oh. it's a small, a lot smaller uh, properties anyway. Then we only have one car rather than two. Then we won't go on two trips a year. Why do you need to go on two and trips a year? And we won't shop in the supermarket exactly. all the time. Exactly. You don't need to shop in Waitrose and Spinney's. There's Lulu's. There's all of the cheap, any supermarkets, but uh, there's cheaper supermarkets. You don't need to go for expensive. Look at the, 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 the kind of lower paid community. Uh, around Dubai, they manage, and and I know there's a lot of maids around here that earn three three thousand, for example, dirhams, and they send two thousand back, so they can uh, survive on it. I think, like you just said, what we do is go. Well, I'm only going to live in Dubai if we can do this, this, and this. What you need to do is go right for the next two years or something. We're going to create. A, 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 we're going to live outside of the main hub in Dubai. We're going to put our children in this school because it's cheaper. We're going to do this too because again, all of the private schools are still good mm-hmm, all right. of the housing is still typically similar it's just on the distance of where you're going yeah. and that's what we have to do and, and if you do that then you'll get through that and then you can start I guess my, I want to end by asking I guess I'm trying to get away from resolutions but I guess if we could change or try or adjust you know some things big things small things to be a bit more financially healthy for 2023 Mr. Money Smart, what would you what, what would you wave your magic wand and have us do? I, I, I always sound boring when I say this. Get the spreadsheet out. <laughs> Dude, budget is so, so important. If you budget, you will 100% understand where every cent is going to. And also look at what you're spending that money on as well. Sometimes we're frivolous with the credit cards and we yes, we pay this because I, I always think of Dirhams as monopoly money because how long does, have you been here now? Know, ten years, ten Dang. and a half years, and and it, 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 hundred dirhams. Oh, it's not very much. It's twenty twenty pounds and sometimes more. Uh, and so 
making sure you have a budget and make sure you know what you're spending your money on. And I know it sounds simple because everybody knows what they're spending their money on, but they don't because what you do is you put it on your credit card. Hardly anybody uses cash anymore. Mm -hmm. So you spend, spend, spend. Online deliveries stop, cut out. Because again, all of those, uh, I'm going to get Zara come in and Amazon, all that. You tend not to send it back. So what happens is you're like, well, I'm going to send it back. I just want to look at it. See, no, cut all of that out and make sure you're focused on a budget and a plan. I'm smiling because I never send anything, <laughs> anything back. Exactly. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm not hoping, I'm planning this year to get some things altered. I need yeah. to get things tailored. And also I'm going to sell some clothes. Massively. Donate some clothes. I and need- toys. How many of our, our kids got on toys? Mm. All of these in clutter. Declutter your house. And and, and one uh, one of uh, Annabelle's friends uh, the other week uh, had a, a, a little sale on outside of a, a garage. She earned 1,500 dirhams just by selling her to- toys and all of she this. She just bought her plane on the family holiday. <laughs> exactly. She's got, got the ticket sorted. <laughs> Ravi Singh, Dubai's a city where you can get a meal for 10 dirhams, but also 4,000. Exactly. And the variance in school fees and rent as well. I think it's just a about tuning in a little bit more yeah. or a lot more a in, hell of a lot in, more in, in, in many cases and put your, put your target as I've never saved before so this year I'm going to save and instead of the 20% that I always recommend start on 5% at least it's something if you start then you'll do it yeah. it's, it's like anything and life. you'll build your confidence and that you can do it exactly a lot of people asking for your details what's the best way of getting in touch Tony uh, Tony with an I so T-O-N-I at S-V-N cap C-A-P dot com. I will take that email address and I will send it. But yeah, a few a few, uh, a few spreadsheet requests as well. <laughs> Bit of a side of hustle going on here. I, I will. Tony, For free, I'll send it off. No oh, there you go. <laughs> Tony, thank you so much. No problem. A much, much needed a kind of... Uh, head check really I think for a lot of us and a good time for a bit of reflection not unrealistic resolutions but certainly have some goals towards the end of the end of the year How do you fancy kicking off 2023 in fine style with a little bit of local travel but a whole lot of wellness we all love an adventure especially with this gorgeous weather and more can be done outdoors. So we are talking about wellness trends this week. We've been talking about sleep, financial health, adventure and wellness going hand in hand. Cliff Tyndall with us this afternoon. He is the founder of Core Direction. Talk about Dubai's first camping wellness festival. It's happening next weekend in Hatta. I love this idea. I love Hatta. Happy New Year, Cliff. How are you? I'm very, very well, thanks. And uh, first, let me just start by saying um, the slogan of Core Direction is inspiring movement. And really, that's about giving people the tools um, and the ability to understand they can be the inspiration that they once looked for in another person. Aww. And I think that you are a perfect example of exactly that. Oh I my think, goodness, thank you yeah, so much. Your lifestyle and the you know the way that you inspire your family and your friends and your kids oh, is exactly what gosh. we're trying to do with everyone in Dubai. So thank kudos you. to you. That is so generous. Thank you. I really, really do appreciate that because I'm trying. <laughs> I'm really trying. And I would, I would have loved to come to this weekend. We've got from friends friends in town, which I'm now I'm like, hmm, could they stay somewhere else? Um, because I think it just brings together, well, from what I know, and I'm looking forward to learning more, like family and fun. And it gets a sense of discovery about things, which I think once we get our kids enthusiastic about movement and wellness from a fun point of view, rather than a you know physical education point of view, that's where that, that love of exercise can really start. So where did you get the idea from? 
Um, so I come from 20 years in the fitness, health and wellness industry. Um, I've been in Dubai for the last 16 years. Um, and I think, you know, what we've seen over the last couple of decades is um, that people were originally selling fitness. Mm -hmm. um, and that has very much changed now to more of selling fitness experiences. Um, if you're going to go to the gym and run on a treadmill as part of your New Year's resolution, that's great. But very few people can keep to that for 365 days a year. So really, when you look at your fitness, uh, health and wellness journey, you need to look at it in a way that um, it can be done every single day of your life and something that you look forward to rather than as a chore. Feels like a, yeah. Exactly. Feels like a privilege, not a punishment. Exactly. Uh, but it's interesting because when we were talking to Dr. Thryer, the psychologist earlier this week, we were talking about intentions rather than resolutions. And her, the big takeaway that I took from that conversation was about progress. So about enjoying the endorphins and enjoying a sense of community or, you know, being in the great outdoors rather than focusing on, I want to have a six pack by the end of the year. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think, um, yeah, one of the things that came out of COVID for us was um, people were stuck in Dubai. They couldn't leave Dubai. Um, and so we wanted to create something uh, truly unforgettable within um, the borders of Dubai and the UAE. Um, and so the way that Core, um, core Direction, Core Unity came to be was um, we started doing these activities at, you know, 154 floors up at the Burj Khalifa. You know, we took people to do a yoga experience right at the top of the world's tallest building. Um, it then evolved to a wellness experience in the Green Planet, surrounded by 3,000 different types of plant, animal, bird. Um, and then we went and did our, you know, wellness experiences in front of the Burj Al Arab at the Jumeirah Beach Hotel, in front of the Dubai Opera Garden, surrounded by Burj Khalifa. And so, the, so everyone's getting their kind of travel within the city exactly. and a few Instagram moments too. Thanks very a, much. A hundred percent. Yeah, we, we, I, I won't lie. We did see a lot of tagging and reposting yeah. of a lot of photos that we were actually taking um, of people enjoying these experiences. But my point was that, you know, we were trying to bring wellness and fitness into a unforgettable experience mm -hmm. so that it was something that people wanted to embark on this journey rather than just this calorie burning yeah. um, experience. So how's that translating to Hatta then? And so that's exactly it. So the Core Unity Festival that runs on the weekend, uh, January 13th, 14th and 15th is more than a wellness uh, festival. Um, it is a um, camping focused, if you're keen to camp, although there are just day passes available, um, music and wellness experience, a music and wellness festival. So we're trying to bring all the things that make life worth living together and bringing it to arguably one of the best outdoor venues the UAE has to offer. Hatter's become so well known for being this activity and adventure hub. Hub being the word they've got, you know, they've got Wadi Hub there, they've got the kayaking, you know, the dam. Where's it going to be exactly? So we are trying to take over most of uh, Hatta <laughs> and um, we are partnered with Dubai Holdings. It's their asset. Um, we're also partnered with Dubai Tourism as part of the Dubai Shopping Festival. This, uh, fest uh, this uh, festival falls under it. Um, and we are going to take over Hatta Wadi Hub and Hatta Art Hub. Um, and we really want to kind of bring Hatta alive for the weekend. The Core Unity Festival will have five different zones. So we're going to have a main stage zone that has space for about 1,000, 1,500 people. Mm. It's going to have a 10-meter by 6-meter stage with LED screens behind and obviously the backdrop of the Hatta Mountains, That's which gorgeous. is unbelievable. Um, and then we're going to have another zone called um, Art Beat, which is going to have um, art therapy sessions, handpan workshops, drum circles um, for 
kids and and uh, adults. Uh, we'll have another section that's run by um, a well-known uh, wellness guru called Manish Pol. He's brought a host of wellness talent together to curate a weekend at another zone called uh, Pole Star, which will have meditation, mindfulness, breath work, yoga, Pilates, uh, journaling workshops, um, art, also some art therapy sessions there. So that's the third zone. Then we have um, a fourth zone, which is actually Tunes DXB. So it's another Another campaign as part of um, Dubai Shopping Festival. So we're going to have that area dedicated to live music and um, and F&B. So you can grab a bite to I'm eat glad from, you mentioned food, <laughs> from our food truck. Talking about things that make things life worth living. Uh, music, uh, movement, food. Absolutely. And you mentioned kids there as well. How family friendly? Because you, you, I hear stage, I hear festival and I'm like, oh, how... Uh, how family friendly? So the fifth zone is a kids zone, and um, like I said at the beginning of our of our chat, that you know we want to inspire movement, and we believe that parents have the ability to be the inspiration that is needed for their kids. You've got to model it and to lead by example. Exactly that. Um, and so what we've done for this festival to try and incentivize families to come and join husbands, wives with their kids um, is to make this uh, kids zone a free for all kids under the age of twelve with activities on uh, Saturday and Sunday throughout the day. Nice one. So you mentioned day passes there, camping passes. So if people want to come for, let's say, come Saturday, stay Saturday night and be there Sunday, just bring your camping gear. Where's the camping area? Yeah, so a good question. Um, Hatta has some amazing accommodation. I mean, if you've seen like the Damani Lodges, which are oh, Hatta, what do you have? I can't get a booking park. there. Well, exactly. And that is the struggle. <laughs> that is the challenge because it is so amazing and picturesque that it is sometimes a challenge to get a um, a unit. Um, but what we've tried to do is we've tried to make it accessible for absolutely everyone. And we've created a camping zone. So for those people that don't have a tent, don't have an inflatable mattress and don't have a tent light, we are going to set them up for you at the festival. It is an extra charge over and above the ticket. It's 649 dirham for the tent for the weekend, and it sleeps two people. Um, so it lands up being very, very affordable and very, very reasonable. Um, we also have porter cabins that are, we're bringing in from Dubai all the way to Hatta um, that are going to have showers and change rooms and toilets. So it is as good and as easy um, as we could possibly make camping for you. We also understand that they are the adventurous type that have you know their four, four by fours, their tents, um, and and everything that goes with it. So we also have space behind our setup camping area where you can set up your own tents um, for the festival, and that's only 99 dirhams for the plot for the weekend. So really, it it's... sounds like you've been working incredibly hard on this. How long has it been in, in the making? I'm not going to lie to you. It's been like 20 years <laughs> in the making. I wish I could have done this a long, long time ago, but it really has been 20 years in the industry to get to the point where we can deliver something that I really think. And like I said to you before we came on, I truly believe that the Core Unity Festival be, is going to be one of the best things that ever happened to Dubai. You know, we know Dubai for the skyscrapers and, and these, you know, crazy uh, the shiny highways. Side. And, exactly. But mm -hmm. there's so much beyond the city, um, you know, the beauty of Mother Nature, the mountains, you know, the Hutter Dam, the, the, the beautiful ocean. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge ocean lover. I love to surf. I love to get into the ocean as often as I can. But, you know, we take all of that you know, for granted, often we don't spend enough time outside of the city. And this is the perfect example. If you haven't gone to the Hutter Mountains, if you haven't experienced a hike or, you know, yoga in the great outdoors, this is the time to do it. And I'll, and I'll tell you one thing. Picture this, right? You rock up to Hutter, 
You get into the tent that we've set up for you, all right? You sleep under the stars. You wake up in the morning, 6, 7 a.m. as the sun's coming up over the mountain. Our guides take you to the top of the mountain where you embark on a breathwork, meditation, mindfulness, and yoga flow at the Hatta Signs. Great opportunity to take a photo if you want. I've got a photo at the Hatta Signs. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> and then you make your way back down to the Community Festival where you pick one of the zones that you want to get involved in Pick an activity. It could be a workout that gets you burning calories and sweating or a breathwork session that helps you to relieve your stress and anxiety and and ease the mind. There really is something for everyone. And the best part about it, our three main pillars of the Core Unity Festival is music, movement, and community. Mm -hmm. And what we're really trying to do is we're trying to bring a community of like-minded people together, striving for a better quality of life. We all know that in January, the New Year's resolution is to be a better version of myself. You are the sum of the five people you surround yourself with, and we all have the best people, the most inspiring individuals at uh, Community Festival. So you go along and be inspired by experts, but also, as you say, be inspired by each other. Come home with some new friends, new family mates. Um, We've had a number of messages going, how to buy tickets and all of that kind of cost breakdown. So you're able to share that? I am, yeah. So um, you can just head straight over to www.coreunityfest.com and then on the site, there's basically right at the top is buy a ticket um, and then we've got the option. So a full festival ticket, which covers you for all activities within the festival is um, 449 dirhams that'll cover you for Friday's activities, Saturday's activities and Sunday's activities. Exactly. And then um, Friday pass is one 99 um, and a Saturday pass is 249 and then a Sunday pass is 199 if you just want to come up for the day bring the family get involved in some activities and again kids under 12 come for free really good question here saying how fit do you need to be oh no it's for absolutely everybody any age shape or size any activity level uh, i mean i'll give you a little bit of insight into core direction core direction is actually a corporate wellness uh, business a technology corporate wellness technology business the events is is 50 of our business and corporate wellness is the other 50 percent. when we are delivering a corporate wellness solution to a company we need to deliver the solution you've got to be inclusive to everyone, male, female, any age, any location, any activity of interest, any activity um, type that they may, might be uh, interested in and activity level. Um, the Core Unity Festival is trying to embody this. Mm-hmm. We're a technology player, but we're actually, the Core Unity Festival is this physical representation of this digital community. A celebration. Exactly. Um, just to come back to, to this question about how fit you need to be, we climbed to the Hatter sign from Wadi Hub, actually, yeah. we'd... Had we camped the night before? I thought, or maybe so, I can't remember. But anyway, we, le- we left from the Wadi Hub because if if you haven't been there before, there's also different hiking routes, there's biking routes, but it is the hub. And we got you know got up to the Hatter sign with kids who were being dragged up. We had people of all different fitness levels and you're there as a group. You yeah. know, you're there to, to be together and enjoy the sights, the sounds, and it sounds like some amazing things waiting for you at the top yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, it'll take you 30 minutes to walk to the top of um, the Hatta Mountains, to the Hatta Sign. And really, like, it's an it's a very enjoyable. There's no actual rock climbing. It's it's, no. a, it's a walk up it's, a hill. It's a stroll up a hill. Hope there that helps. Um, for anyone that does want uh, that website, one more time, Cliff. Um, coreunityfest.com. I'd be happy to send that link over if you just send me a little message on 4001 saying fest. Well done on, it sounds like, as you say, 
20 years in the making and now being realised next weekend, 13th, 14th, 15th, up there at Hatter. If you want that website, just drop me a message. I'd be happy to send it your way. I wish I could be there. Please make this the first one of another another coming. I hope so. I'm, I'm hoping that this is going to be many more I can tell by the look in your eye, this is yeah. not the first or the last. It's going to be hopefully a regular in the social and sporting calendar here in the UAE. It's Afternoons with me, Helen Farmer. Cliff joining us there from uh, Core Direction. And thank you for downloading this episode of the Afternoons with Helen Farmer podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe. You'll get direct to your phone as soon as it's out. And you can listen to me live on Dubai I 103.8, Monday to Friday between 2 and 5 p.m. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to dubaieye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.